Welcome to the Scan On Podcast, your weekly look at the world of film news, Irish and International. I'm your host, Darren Mooney. Joining me are... Graham. And Jay. So we're going to talk about what we normally do. We're going to talk about the top 10, the new releases, and the week in film news. But we're going to start with what we normally do. So what have you watched since last we talked? Graham. <laughs> I like how you just got a little bit worried. Yeah. Like, who are you? Which, which one? Who are you and what have you watched? Yeah. What um, are you doing in this recording booth? I've watched, a, I've watched a fair few films, looking out there. I haven't watched a lot of... I've, I've watched an, an eclectic mix, I might say. Excellent. An eclectic mix. Um, I watched um, oh, Dark Phoenix. That was one of the furthest back. Well, Did, we'll be talking about Dark Phoenix in the top we ten. Oh. It's in the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll be talking about that in the top ten. Uh, uh, listeners, met, brace yourselves. Uh, can I talk about Metal Heart? Metal Heart is coming out this week, so we'll be talking about that in the new releases. Okay. I love uh, that this Graham's like, I have so many see. films to talk about, and Dara's like, uh, no, you don't. Know. Then, then such, such a lawyer, The Graham. third <laughs> film. The third film. Toy Story 4? Top 10. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, because everything Graham sees is popular. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I knew. I have, I have oh, this every week. Oh, here's fascinating. Okay, okay, here's a fascinating one. I saw The Shining. Now, not for the first time for okay, me, no. but no. my fiance and my little sister had never seen it. She was what, four. <laughs> what no. had spurred this on was the fact that the new Doctor Sleep trailer came out. Yes. yes. And neither of them knew what the Doctor Sleep was. And so before I even showed them the trailer, because that's kind of a, a stick for me, I show people trailers before, because I get really excited for trailers yeah. for films. Um, I do the same I, thing. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I showed them The Shining um, just one night, popcorn, uh, lights turned off, and they were not scared. Uh, it's very difficult to scare breed, and my sister, yeah. it turns out, she was freaked out. There were moments of, of genuine, like, uh, unease, you know? Uh, the thing was, in today's prism now, watching it's just like, oh, so, like, he's like pure evil. Jack Nicholson's character is just like straight off the bat. You can't trust him at any point in that film. Because of that smile. Well, that was Kubrick's problem with the film, was that the question was not if Jack Torrance was going to lose his mind. The problem was when, when he was yes, going to lose his it, mind. It's a, it's a way of doing it. Mm. And yeah. it's fine. There, there is that issue. It just depends on how you view the film and the overall sense of it. I think it's fine with it because I don't think there's a doubt from minute one what's going to go down. Yes. And, yeah. I, and that's a very deliberate choice. Mm. Yeah. Also, they're seeing it very late in their lives in the sense that how many parodies oh, yeah. have I mean, that's, we that's seen of this film? a lot film. of films. Yeah. Like... like you know, so it was it was a fascinating little experiment. I hadn't seen it in years. I think a decade and a half. Wow. Uh, it's been that long. Um, I think the time when I saw it was at a friend's birthday party. Oh, yes. The classic uh, 12... Uh, <laughs> Family favourites. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it's just... Um, it, but the imagery obviously still sticks with you. The score is still outstanding to this day. And... Um, I, I loved at the end of it just having little tidbits like, uh, do you know, you know, peop, uh, people adored this film and they were like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, but Stephen King, the guy who created it, didn't, loved it, but he hated it. It should be noted that Stephen King made his own version yeah, of it. Yeah, he made his mini-series, which was awful. Yeah. So, you know, but be apparently closer to, closer to the... Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't, it doesn't even matter. Books or movies are different. No. Some yeah. things work better. In, and yeah. I mean, the, the issue with The Shining is The Shining has always been very close to King in that it's uh, to certain aspects of it are yeah. very close to his own personal yeah, defense. And so and he's very attached to that as well. Like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and so he's maybe not as willing to share so that. Get as... over yourself, Stephen. You'd oh. lost the rights to the book when there was somebody else doing it. Stop crying. I mean, like, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm sympathetic, yeah, but I'll also I'm think The Shining is... Okay. You know. I'll be interested to see, has he released it? 
tweet or a thought yet on Dr. Sleep? Well, this is oh, we I suspect he's involved in that. So, yes. yeah, yeah. I think that'd be very positive. And apparently, look, looking at the trailer, one of the issues with Dr. Sleep is that it's in that sort of like uncanny valley where it's like Stephen King's shining but also Stanley Kubrick shining and how... And it has to use it. Yeah, yeah it, it has to use not. it because like, it is a Tim Matheson, like. like, And even like the director is just like, oh no, we didn't like... Um, we recreated. We, we recreated scenes. And you can see the recreation scenes. Yeah. You can see the, yeah, there's, there is a clear difference. Yeah. The only scene they didn't recreate was the, the, uh, blood, the elevator blood. Yeah, because yeah, that is impossible. <laughs> Probably. Uh, but it was, it was interesting. For the entire film, what was very funny was the, neither... Neither Breed nor my little sister Shannon trusted to- Tony the entire film. And I was just like, guys, Red Tony Ron. is clearly looking out for this family. <laughs> the little man who lives in the main and the, the child's the finger. The little boy. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just two friends hanging out. Sure. That's what it is. I'm it waiting, is. I'm waiting sure. for The Shining from Tony's perspective. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say that The Shining actually is the reason my mother won't want ho- watch horror movies. She was an au pair in Belgium. Uh, she went to see it with a couple of friends. Had to walk home alone afterwards at the age of 18. And apparently... Bumped to Jack Nicholson. No. Okay. No. There's no... That's the story. That is the full story. <laughs> thank you. But uh, yeah, that's the reason why she won't watch horror movies. Wow. Yeah. Um, because I mean, The perfect Shining scared her that much. It's, it, it was the perfect uh, perfect storm <laughs> yeah. right there. It scared me as well, but uh, I was a lot younger than I should have been to watch it. But that's one of those things also. But I still find it un- very unnerving. I, I can't My granddad it. showed me at the age of eight. Yeah, there I can't get out of it. He was not over this I was month. a <laughs> 12 at this, but I've seen it. <laughs> I can't get out of it because I was at the age of around 15, 16, uh, when I first started noticing it in the pop culture, obviously apart from The Simpsons, there was this uh, weird connection. There, There's a weird connection between two Jokers because of this. Uh, Jared Leto's th- band Three Seconds to Mars has a song where it's basically the plot of The Shining, the Shining. and so now Jared Leto uh, one Jack of the later Nixon. Jokers and na- and Jack Nixon had this weird connection through a music video and a film that they were both a part Thankfully, of Thankfully I haven't and won't ever see Jared Leto's band play in any way shape or form to find this out for myself yeah. I don't think they're going to do the I don't think they're going to do the film live what, Thank God. What's that? Uh, what's that line from? Oh, it's it's pop star where it's thirty seconds to miles. Uh, thirty seconds oh. to Mars is a band, not a fact. <laughs> that was amazing. Indeed. One indeed. of the few fun fact. One of the few funny lines of that film. Whoa. Okay. No. Whoa, okay. Hey, I'm a fan of Andy Sandberg. Jesus. Whoa, I'm yeah. a fan of him. I'm a fan and of him, Graham, and I did not Graham, like that you film. You had the room, and you lost the room. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Elizabeth anyway. Warren of a uh, podcast. You are. Uh, but what have, what have you watched? So what else you watched, Ruth? Um, it's mainly been it's mainly been TV. Oh, um, but it was it's just been that those have been the rare few films that I've gotten a chance to watch, and thankfully I'll be able to talk about the other ones later on. Yes, you Perfect. will. All right, so Jay, what have you watched since last we talked? Right, I want to get this one out of the way straight away because <laughs> on Tuesday night, uh, whilst having a glass of wine or two, I stumbled upon on Sky Movies uh, one. Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice oh good god which I'd previously seen the first 30 minutes of before turning her off uh, so you know the, the funeral with the rain and the umbrellas on it and so it's like nah that's not for me so I'm not going to watch it but yeah. you know it was Bruce Wayne's parents de- funeral I don't care um, so it's like I, I stumbled upon I mean did it. you get to appreciate the majesty of it like yes. bookended <laughs> bookended with funerals yeah. like I indeed, mean indeed. <laughs> I mean the curve uh, was structuring it now makes sense so I somehow kind of stuck with it that was that was probably a mistake. Um, oh no! This is this is a lot. This film's a lot. It is. Which like, version was it? I oh, it was, don't care. It was the original. I don't, I don't oh, was the original version. The theatrical cut. The theatrical uh, cut's better. There was also a leprechaun <laughs> in the middle. Uh, yes, we'll get to that. Um, what? Oh, we'll get to it. Don't worry. 
this this is this is this is too much. It's just too much. It's very much a Snyder film in the sense that you can't not say that he is not bringing his and I'll put these in inverted commas unique vision to it. Like he, it's a Snyder film. Darren, can I ask? Did you bring me on this episode on purpose? This no, was I, accidental. Weirdly, I, uh, you were you were you were I texted I texted you yeah. beforehand, yeah. and then I stumbled upon and it. And then he stumbled upon it, <laughs> and, and I, I would, said, "Poor yeah, Graham." No, because anybody worst. who knows me, I know across the social network will know that I adore this film. I know you do, okay. which is why I'm not going to be too harsh. Gra- well, Graham, when I say I'm not going to be too harsh, I'm not going to get into and it. I'm going to be the mediator here. <laughs> yes, I, I'm going to be because Darren was also arguing me when I was watching it to say, yeah. "No, it's really good." Hold on, no, no, well, okay. Hang on, you gave it three and a half stars. I did give it three and a half stars. That, what's that, that's, 70%? That's yeah, that's, that's pretty strong. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's, then, that, that's above pass. Yes, it is. Far so. above pass. That's far oh, yeah, above no, pass. So, the Batman vs. Superman is far above pass. Yeah. Um, I, I... But, but it, we're, we're cutting them off. Let me yeah. go. There was a point where I came back in the room, <laughs> sat back down, leaned on the TV control, knocked on a different Sky movie that was showing a Leprechaun film, didn't realise for about eight or nine minutes because I thought, this is one of these idiotic subplots. What? As no, it, wasn't, Davis? it wasn't. It was a different one. I, um, Darby O'Gill and the Little People? No, it's one of the Leprechaun films. Oh, in the I, franchise. There, there's like a few of them. The oh, okay, right. Uh, Leprechaun in the Hood? I, I don't know. In space? I thought this was... <laughs> I genuinely thought this was like... Is there a Leprechaun and Batman? Is there some sort of bad guy called I mean, Leprechaun that I've missed? Villain. I mean, like, there's Batmite in Mr. Mix's you see, that's really so it, you could have. It seemed could've. reasonable to me. It seemed reasonable. I was drinking wine, I will say that. Yeah. So about eight minutes in, I was like, fuck, there's no Leprechaun. Let's get it back to the film. I, came I, back, text, I, I text You text me about the Leprechaun, and I was like, I think that's a Russian accent the guy's yeah. doing. And you're like, no, it's a Leprechaun. I'm like, the guy with the flamethrower, he's like, a Russian. I was like, hang on a second, this yeah, is not KG the film. Beast. Yeah. Um, so I put it back, and there was still a big guns shooting big things and things smashing into each other in the sky and dark I mean, skies I think you mean an excellent deconstruction of hyper-masculinity in cinema absolutely exhausted that doesn't happen that much I'll finish to say it does it never stops uh, it's just a, it's Zack Snyder jerking off to the fountainhead and I will never I know why people like it people like a lot of things and everybody <laughs> has the, the right to like what you want but uh, no no just no <laughs> No, 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 no. So I think enough said about that. Okay. I would argue it's a fantastic I know you would. hyper-masculine Yeah, you, you can argue that as you want, okay. Darren, but you're wrong. All right. Uh, All right. You just said he's allowed to have he's his own to opinion. It, but he's wrong. <laughs> to have his... <laughs> he can keep his opinion. Anyway, what else have we watched, Jay? Okay, we, I did a weird kind of accidental double bill uh, of Victor Victoria and Cabaret because they're kind of similar in a lot of ways. I've been watching the Fosse Verdon TV show, yeah. uh, which obviously covers the cabaret, making the cabaret stuff yeah. at the time. So it's like This I'm is re- Sam Rockwell I- and Michelle Williams, yes. right? Uh, interesting, not brilliant, but has brilliant episodes and really good performances. And a but, fantastic hairstyle. Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. So I said, Did you say I, hairstyle? Sam Rockwell, yes. yes. Oh, okay. I watched the, I haven't seen Cabaret in a long time. My wife never seen it, so we said we'll watch it. Uh, cabaret is fantastic. Um, so, so good. Um, I remember being great, and it's surprising how little attention it still gets. I remember. Well, it gets, I think it gets a little bit, but not perhaps as much as it should. It's this kind of idea of, you know, the decadence and luxuriation of life while uh, people around you are fighting to end it, essentially. Because like, there's the rise of Nazism in 30s Berlin, and it's very much a parallel today, as you can as you can imagine, accidentally in that regard, I guess. But uh, there's this, it's just a glorious musical balanced perfectly between comedy and tragedy it's really brilliant the choreography is amazing Manelli is out of this world good um, I feel Sam Rockwell can do that very well balance between comedy and tragedy quite uh, well oh no that, that's Phosphor Dome oh okay yeah. sorry I'm uh, not sure yeah <laughs> but no, the, the original film is from 72 so Rockwell would have been a baddie oh, he would have 
Yeah. But he would have been able to cut that being it. But uh, <laughs> so I watched Victor Victoria again, which is nineteen thirties Paris as opposed to nineteen. I weirdly thought that uh, was the I weirdly thought that was the hairstyle. Uh yeah, no, it's a listeners, it's quite I just the saw hairstyle. the hairstyle. It, yeah. Yeah. That I weirdly that was the first thought I had. Yeah. Weird. It's weird. But Victor Victoria is a kind of nineteen thirties Paris as opposed to nineteen thirties Berlin. It's a much more farcical comedy romp, which Ronan put me on to uh, a Julie few Andrews months ago. Julie Andrews and Robert Preston. It is a sensational film. Funny, bizarre, strange, absolutely progressive, particularly for a early eighties film. Like and still would stand up in that regard today in terms of uh, sexuality and various other things around that. Um, the cast is amazing, the songs, the physicality, the set pieces, the setups. It's just a wonder and like exceptional to watch. Um, and just two very quickly, I'll just skip on two quick ones. Uh, I watched Touch Me Not, which is a, I think, German film. Uh, I'm going to say German film or Austrian film. It's it one of the feels. Be, very, be, very, be uh, very careful. It is a film that I think won the award at Berlin uh, either last year or the year before. So is it the main, germane to the discussion? Uh, but it is in some ways because Berlin has a weird Why? reputation in terms of uh, in terms of winners and quality of films. The, sil- the Silver yeah. Bear and the Gold yeah, Bear. Yeah. Uh, so with one, uh, this is a filmmaker who decides to kind of do this film. It's kind of quasi-documentary fiction film about intimacy and sexual intimacy. And it has these kind of uh, ideas of, you know, people who have kind of physical deformities and kind of want to be intimate with people and has kind of older woman and younger guy and it's just really interesting idea of the kind of landscape of bodies and stuff like that and really really interesting but the film is glacially paced i mean glacially paced i was exhausted by nothing going on for huge chunks of it um and it has a real distancing approach, which kind of makes it just feels really cold. So it was unbearable as well? I swear to God, one, yeah. more, one more. Uh, Laura Benson is the lead and is very good. Um, but the film as a whole, I just, it's about two hours long and I've, and I've really felt, you know, but sometimes yeah. two hour films can be... Can kinda, brush by and sometimes yeah, they this, feel like this, four. This, this ran and ran and ran. Uh, so, yeah, no. And we watched the Varda because, you know... Of course you did. Because uh, it's you. I'm really run out of them at this stage, but... How many uh, have you got left? I, well... Do you have like a little Varda counter? I do, yeah. I have it on a letterbox. <laughs> I have oh. watched 25 of, uh, of like, about 54. I was say, but yeah. a lot of them are either shorts or unavailable or hard to get. I've, okay. I've one more available to me to watch. So this is... Okay, and, and appropriately enough, that will must be the halfway point. Yes, and then there's a new one next uh, in Galway. Yes, which we'll be weeks, watching. Which we will talk about in a little bit. To, uh, yeah. I don't want to break it down, but isn't she... Oh yeah, she's, yeah, yeah, she's yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah. Wow, a couple of months back. Final film. Oh wow, um, she it's in Galway right in the flat. Yeah. Uh, the oh, cool. She worked right until the end. Like I mean, she's producing almost one a year, if not more. Yeah, yeah. But I what, what I watched was uh, Cleo from Five to Seven: Remembrances and Anecdotes. Oh, and so it's, it's uh, a documentary. It's about forty minute documentary from I think two thousand and five, where she looks back on her film Cleo from Five to Seven, which is one of the most famous films and kind of put it on the map. It was one of the first ones that you watched. I remember yes, it is. It's great. It was on the Guy Fight season. Um, and what's really interesting, and Vardas is, and I'm amazed filmmakers don't do a lot more of this, um, is looking at their own um, critically kind of analysis of their own film from a lot younger person. Like, yeah. So she kind of reunites the cast who are a lot older. And age is always the thing with Vardas. It's one of her main preparations. So she puts them in the same places and, you know, and this and building so was here, but that building yeah. is not here anymore. You know, city has changed. The world has changed. People have changed. I've changed. I did this shot at the end of the last film. It didn't really work. I'll show it again. I'll show you what we had to do and why it didn't work and stuff. And it's a real kind of critical evaluation and kind of reminiscence about A, how time passes in our own films and B, because the film is almost set in real time, you know. Yeah. 
and then this is kind of like a look back in that regard and it's absolutely fantastic and really interesting and really honest and the kind of past the time is never far away it's kind of very moving in that way like in the, particularly in the sense that she's just died very recently i really really loved it um in the way i love all the films because she's the best all right, that, there you go. That yeah. wraps up. Um, in terms of what I've watched this week, um, I've watched a whole bunch of stuff that, like Graham, we'll be talking about later on in the podcast. So the big one, the big new film that I've watched this week is uh, "What We Left Behind," the Deep Space Nine documentary, uh, uh, which was which screened last that. night. Uh, it's screening again on Sunday, actually. So oh. I'm stealing it out of the new releases. So yeah. if you are interested, you can catch it in. Um, on sun at Sunday, mm. three PM screening internationally. Uh, it'll be at movies at, it'll be at lighthouse, that sort of places. It's also screening uh, across Europe as well at the same time, and in Australia, New Zealand. This is fascinating because it's it's very similar to what you were saying there about Varden. This idea of uh, filmmakers and people who have told stories going back, yes. and sort of examining their own work. In this case, it's Iris Stephen Fair, the guy who show ran Deep Space Nine for seven years. Mm. Deep Space Nine being the second Star Trek spinoff, uh, the third Star Trek TV show, which ran for seven years and was the only Star Trek show to air while. With, without ever being the only Star Trek show on the air. Two yeah. years overlap with The Next Generation, five years overlap with Voyager. And so as a result, it has this weird place in sort of television history. Mm. It's very well loved by the people who watched it. I would consider it one of the seminal shows of the 90s. It's mm. absolutely fascinating. Very worth watching. Um, and what happened is Bear, who is the showrunner of it, uh, was approached in 2012 and asked, would he be interested in making a documentary about it? He took him seven years, which means that he's lived with this documentary for as long as he lived with the show wow. while it was in production, which is remarkable. And he talks about it in the documentary. It's like about balance, it. actually. That's exactly a bit of sense of symmetry. Yeah. And now it took him so long to find the documentary and to be what it's about, because it's not a conventional making of documentary, because Star Trek's done that before, stuff like William Shatner's Chaos on the Bridge and stuff like that, yeah. The Next Generation. I like that. It, no, it's fantastic. It's very worth seeking out and an interesting look at it, like a TV production. It's on landmark. Netflix. Um, yes, so if you want to check out Chaos on the Bridge, if you've got an interest in Star Trek production or even just television production in general, that's very worth seeking out. What We Left Behind is not that. What We Left Behind is not an exploration of the making of or sort of a documentary accounting for. It's something that's weirdly more personal. It's this director okay. who's reckoning or this creator who's reckoning with, or not even creator, producer who's reckoning with the body of his work and trying to put it in context. And it's absolutely fascinating in what it does. Because it's as weird and esoteric um, as the TV show itself was. It reflects not the vision of the show as many people remember it. In particular, it doesn't it doesn't dwell on things that a lot of fans would expect it to, like, say, the 30th anniversary episode, the Trials and Tribulations. It doesn't dwell on things like the Dominion War or the conflict or the, the alleged cynicism of it. Instead, it reflects the show as... Bear himself saw it and as Bear himself during the do. There's okay. a lot of interesting stuff in there with regards to talking to actors and actors who are present, actors who passed away, actors who refused. Who's passed? Um, a couple of the guest stars, like Barry Jenner, for example, oh, passed yeah. away and stuff like that. But even things like Avery Brooks, uh, who played the lead, has refused to, you know, didn't want to take part because he felt like he had all the stuff he wanted to say. As He's he has very, he stayed very much away from that. He he did, but I mean, there's enough archive footage there. And what Bear does that's interesting is he grapples a great deal with Brooks and in particular with the way the studio treated Brooks. And what's remarkable is the effort to contextualize it. And again, this is where it's, it's about how Bear sees Deep mm. Space Nine. So there's an extended portion of the start that deals with the idea of casting an African-American lead in this role, but also things like Paramount insisting that... Um, and like you have the head of Paramount Television saying that Brooks could not have the goatee and could not be bald because that was too street. Um, for the viewers in the mid 90s were they worried he was from the mirror universe yeah. oh and, uh, yeah but I mean eventually he had to no but it, it's it's very much it was like a, a representation of yeah. black man on yeah. television and how threatening that was in so the actually wake... he so 
Brooks looked like that. Brooks always looked like that when he did like, Previous a man to... called Hawk. Yeah, he was. He oh, was, I, I like I, I was introduced to Avery Brooks in, like, in DS9. Hire. He was he was a well relatively well known actor at the mm. time. He was. He did, he they, very, I remember Spencer Hearns. Yeah, like he that, had too, a very yeah. distinctive look, mm. and they shaved him. And like he doesn't partake in the documentary, but Bear talks about his conversations with him and how Brooks felt like he was not himself when he was made to grow hair, when he was made to shave his beard. Mm. And like the documentary goes into that because it's, it's bare kind of grappling with this and sort of like looking at this and asking why. And even things like, for example, it goes into stuff like um, Brooks's work as a director and Brooks's insistence on bringing stuff like the, the relationship between a black man and his son uh, on a science fiction show in the 90s and in yeah. 90s television in particular and why that was important to him Unique. to do. Um, and even things like, and it does stuff that I hadn't noticed, like for example, Brooks's direction of certain episodes like Far Beyond the Stars, which is about racism, where the footage intercuts between how Brooks chose to shoot the police violence of that episode with the actual footage of the Rodney King beating, which obviously uh, yeah. would have been a huge part. Yeah. And it's framed in exactly the same manner, which is something that I had never picked up actually watching the episode. And it, there's a whole host of interesting stuff like that. And it's interesting because, again, it opens with a proviso that all of this is oral history. None of this should be trusted. None of this should be taken at its word. Yeah, it's people's opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Memories and, 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 memories and how the... unreliable that yes. is. Yeah. And... Most notably, at certain points, Bear himself stops the documentary and holds himself to account. The only person that he avoids pointing fingers. And in particular, like there are stories that people who are well versed in Star Trek history will recognize that are told without implicating people in them. So Terry Farrell talks about being told that if she wasn't on Star Trek, she would be working in a cocktail bar and would be lucky to be taking home three dollars an hour. She doesn't say who said that, even though anybody who has read any history of Star Trek knows exactly who it was who said that. Whereas on the other hand, Bear is quite happy to stop the documentary and hold himself to account and say I didn't do this right I messed this up mm. I should have done more I mm. didn't do enough I don't deserve credit for this and various stuff like that and it's absolutely fascinating because it reflects that in a way it's very fan servicey, but in a very esoteric sort of way and it's just it's a joyous celebration also it includes upscaled HD footage of Deep Space Nine um, so if there is a chance that uh, CBS will be interested in doing that. Hmm. I would uh, wholeheartedly recommend a, a kind of a release of that. Anyway, so let's move on to the week in film news. Uh, the big news this week, and probably the most exciting for us, is that the Galway Film Flaw has announced yes. its lineup. Now, it's been teasing us for uh, a little while now, but they've got the full lineup released online. And Jay, I believe you've been booking tickets. Yeah, I've got a few that I might have, uh, I kind of have lined up. One of the, and you know, again, this won't surprise anyone, there's a uh, bar the season on during it. Oh, there is indeed. Like, it's like, it's like the Nomi or something. I, I don't know. Also, you mentioned it like, like literally a few minutes ago. But, but also, yeah. also every film festival is doing a bar season, which is quite correct, honoring her memory. Yeah. Yes. It's great to see. Like, it, like I mean, Can obviously did an example, but even, yeah. even, you know. And, and uh, Edinburgh Film yeah, Festival has it, but they're free. And they're free uh, as well yeah. to the public. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean. Like, but, yeah, no, there's a. I obviously haven't seen a lot of the stuff aside from the bar stuff we'll say but there are some highlights uh, Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir which is getting raves out of festivals uh, I really want to see it looks terrific um, Polly McIntosh's Darling the horror film okay. I think she's starring in The Walking Dead at the moment and she's written and directed this film nice cool. uh, it's a kind of a late night screen which looks really interesting a late uh, night screen is always kind of fun yeah exactly uh, then there's things like the Paul Dwan film uh, What Time is Death which you saw at, oh, sorry, uh, best, best Before Death, oh, no, death which, which is a which kind is of a companion piece, piece yeah. What Time is Death is in my top three films of the year at yeah. the moment so I'm expecting to really like this uh, and he's a fantastic documentary one of the better documentary filmmakers we have um, and there's various others uh, that I I hadn't heard of but I'm very much looking forward to seeing just have reading on yeah. it but I mean I don't think you can kind of miss 
there's there's plenty shown. I'm hoping to get yeah. to about sixteen films over nice. four, four days. So which is pretty impressive. <laughs> My six, God, you're aiming impressive. for a six film Friday, I believe. A six film Friday could happen. Uh, I'll have to somehow smuggle beer and pizza into that somehow, but I'll do it because I'll do it. Some man indeed. Because I care about our listeners. And and about the film. (laughs) And about 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 culture. Yes, I do. It feels like it's a little road trip every year. Yes, uh, myself, Niall and Ronan will be there this year. Possibly Uh, Grace. Possibly Grace as well. Darren, unfortunately, couldn't make it. Some excuse about his family or whatever. My brother's graduating from like, College, like that's important, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm sh- I am audibly shaking my head. Yeah, at I know it's disgraceful, audibly. but it should be a, a good trip. We were there last year, it was the first yeah. time I was at it last year, and it was fantastic. And hopefully, uh, we'll be podcasting from there as well. We may do, we might mm-hmm. even actually record this time. Who we knows? Did record last time, well, <laughs> it, just kind was of. it was, <laughs> it was a were you in a pub or something? Uh, then, yeah. yeah, kind <laughs> of, yeah. We'll do it properly this time. We're professionals now. We've grown as people. Um, <laughs> all right. In terms of other film news, the makers of Gaza, the documentary, uh, which I believe is shown in the flat as well. Yeah. I think actually, yeah, we showed it uh, diff. Diff as well. Yep. Um, they've donated their prize money to the Gaza Red Carpet Very Festival good. appeal, which is remarkable. Again, yeah, yeah. The, the striking images, the attempt to hold a film festival in Gaza. Um, you can check out those images online. It's really, really. Striking. I was going to see this, but then I'd seen the pre the film I saw previously at Diff was absolutely grim and more torn I just okay. couldn't face it but I heard very no close. matter how much pizza they plied you with indeed, oh indeed. Uh, alright um, in terms of uh, Extraordinary which I believe is also filming at the fl- oh, sorry also screening at the, the Flav the Higgins Will uh, Forte yeah which is gaining great yeah, reviews said, actually South by really Southwest did really, really well, yeah. good uh, Word from it. Cranked up films have acquired the North American distribution for that. Yep. Uh, in terms of cl- news close to the home, the Gays L- LGBT Film Festival launched last night. Yes. And tonight they're actually screening Vita and uh, Virginia yes. as well. Lovely. Where yeah. our intrepid reporter Ronan Doyle will be there, I think, for the screening. Yeah. Uh, m- m- myself and Ronan went to the uh, the launch last night. Was but, I uh, believe you described it as, as good a launch as you've seen. Yes, it's great. Uh, nothing to do with the bottles of Corona. But... Uh, <laughs> But it was a, uh, it was great. No, genuinely, they know their audience. They have a sophisticated. They, they, they've lined up a, a really, really strong festival. Um, Ronan in particular highlighted yeah. a few films. Uh, you can find the lineup mm. on uh, on Scanlon or even on the, the, yeah, yeah, the, the festival Gaysan. last year was a great. Uh, saw the Miseducation of Cameron Post. Yes. That was yeah, a great. That was, that was a highlight yeah. for me. Yeah. I thought that film was um, absolutely fantastic. This is August Bank Holiday weekend. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of shorts, a lot of Irish international shorts and features, and it looks great. Uh, Very worth checking it. Yeah. Um, in terms of Irish films that are being distributed, Donald Foreman's The Image You Missed is now available on Vimeo Demand uh, worldwide, except for the US and Canada, so almost worldwide. Yeah. Uh, that was one of Scanon's films yes, of the year last year. that was year. my um, second best film of the year. I absolutely adored it. Uh, which makes it very, very, very worth seeking out. Oh, absolutely. Um, in terms of other Irish distribution news, The Hole in the Ground, which will be opening in the States in cinemas on oh. July 19th, which is great. I it's always it great well. to see that going internationally. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to move on to the top 10, but before we do... It seems to happen every year, and it seems to happen every summer in particular, but oh, no. we're sort of stuck in an existential <laughs> crisis in Hollywood, uh, where there's been a little bit of discussion. I think this day last week, the New York Times posted, and again, happens every year, but still I get a kick out of the headline. Yes. Will movies even exist 10 years from now? Uh, um, the answer is, of course, the yes, you will. Yes. Uh, and what form they'll take and whether or not there's a seat. That was this on. minute in Who Cares? Yes. Uh, well, no, I mean, it's, it's an interesting article and I thought it was worth drawing attention to. It's got great voices. Um, Ava DuVernay's there. Uh, Kamel Anjiani's there. Paul Feige is there. Did, did anyone actually say, no, it won't? Um, a lot of, the, as you might imagine, a lot of the older school uh, distribution heads were very anxious. Oh, okay. I thought this, you were going like, to say old Rock head like, like no, no, Steven no. Spielberg. No, oh. film won't be around. Not like I remember it. <laughs> but they've exactly. had, we've had this conversation. I remember and you have it every Spielberg and Lucas talking about the end of kind of blockbuster yeah because of Netflix I mean, like Spielberg hates Netflix and then he like hops over to one of the other uh, streaming yeah, services well in fairness to Spielberg he's he's done TV 
quite a bit. Amlin's done a lot of TV mm. in fairness over the years. So. But I think that at a certain point, you sort of reach a point of maturity where you're you're settled in your ways. <laughs> now, I mean, it's like me? credit or to Scorsese. Spielberg? No, Spielberg. All oh, right, that's okay. Like it's more that's the kind of, and it's to Scorsese's kind of credit that he's willing to go along with it. Although, to be fair, unlike Spielberg, one could argue that the only way that Scorsese will get to make the films that he wants to make will be through. Well, yeah. I think certainly the one he's making now, I think that's certainly the case. I think generally speaking. Yeah, because no studio is going to give him the money for that. Well, they should. But they don't. I mean, if you've if you've I mean, imagined, Paramount almost did, and we know where Paramount are yeah. now. Well, Paramount like, perhaps Paramount should have. Didn't. Yeah. But um, the fact that the Wolf Wall Street made a fortune for yeah. an 18th certificate in a three-hour film yeah. should really have been an indicator that he knows what he's doing. Having said that, I'm still a little worried about it because of the aging and vice versa. Yeah. Well, oh, see. I'm very worried about that because we we actually talked about this. There's certain things you can't de-age: voices, legs. You know, you can't de-age everything. For those short scenes, the scenes where uh, no, the scenes where you're no, the scenes where you're running. <laughs> Yes. Oh Samuel yes, in Jackson. terms of like yes, yeah, uh, Samuel, Marvel, Jack- Samuel Jackson in Captain, Mar- Captain Marvel, yeah. where he I think Scorsese ran, might be like smart enough to not, not have them have running. running yeah, but no. yeah, I, uh, I take the point. And I mean, also it it is worth knowing that it is in the context of a summer that has been pretty bad. Yeah, it's, and it's, there's flops and there's Flop- critical bombs as well. Yeah. And there's also some people are saying this is the worst summer. In, but we've in had, memory, I yeah. think that The Ringer made a very convincing case for that. I mean, even outside of, of things like box office, the fact that you I'll be had, interested to see what this top ten looks you like. You had Movie Pass, uh, which folded last year. Movie yeah. Pass that was gave, a shit show for about it, two years. It absolutely so was, but it did give the box office a big boost last year, mm. which is perhaps yeah, but why unsustainable it's boost. Honestly, though, absolutely, absurdly. <laughs> I think the fact that we're you know we're yeah, talking yeah. about it in, in the, the past, past tense yeah. reveals that it I is. think it still exists as a bare bones thing. Like you can see one film in one cinema one week. I don't know if that even exists anymore. Did a couple weeks ago. I did see an article where it's the Oh really? Emails. They oh, should call air. it movie fail. Yeah. That is what they should call it. I think they do. But um, but yeah, I'll is. let that pass. Thank you. Yeah. Right, so let's move on to the top ten and see how they're Indeed, doing in what Ireland. You got. All right. At number ten, it's Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, <laughs> which has earned over half a million euro at the Irish box office so Not far. on my money, it hasn't. Technically not on mine either. I, I saw it via screen press screenings. Yeah, but I really enjoyed, enjoyed, it. enjoyed it. it, which is more good. than that can be said for most people. Ah, no, there are. That's people not who, true. It's doing very well. Quite, there are people who quite enjoy people it. People like monsters smashing into monsters. Doesn't mean the film's any good though. I have many report, retorts, but I. All right, not to at give number them now. nine, at number nine, <laughs> Daddy's having to step in and say, "Kids, <laughs> I will turn this podcast around." And number nine is Child's Play. Uh, which earned have not good seen reviews. That yet. Great reviews. Actually. Not seen really, that yet. I haven't seen it yet. I'm not excited about it. I'm probably not going. Probably to. because all all that anti marketing against uh, yes, Toy Story, Story Four. Amazing, like the fact they have like him burning Rex alive, or him, him cutting Woody, and Woody, even... or then him cutting like uh, Buzz's head off. Yeah, or like roasting the yeah. tail end of the dog oh. and stuff like that. But also even the counter programming of releasing it the same weekend yeah. as Toy Story Four. Because they which... had to, because Disney owns every month. Well, that's it exactly. Well, I mean, Disney. That's it. When you talk about the summer box office the films that are performing very well tend to be Disney films yeah. and they tend to be positioned in such a way that they bleed into one another so you yeah Captain... we're, we're going to start having yeah. cannibalism here well you have Captain Marvel up until you've got Dumbo you've got Dumbo up until you've got Endgame, Endgame. you've got Endgame up until you've got Aladdin you've got yeah, and so on Aladdin so up until up until the film we're seeing tonight yeah. um, and it, it, oh wait no, no sorry no, Aladdin up until Story Story, Story yes, 4 yes, sorry yeah, Toy Story 4 and, and so I'm on barely so on. a breath and, and that, that's it indeed and there's no room for anybody else to breathe now to be fair Toy Story 4 may have suffered sorry Child's Play may have suffered from a poor opening weekend in Ireland in particular yes. uh, in terms of rather unfortunate sort of uh, connotations but also even just in terms of yes. weather as well um, at number 8 Diego Maradona which is two weeks in the top 10 yeah, for a documentary I heard great things I heard really great things you seen it? not yet 
Okay. I'm a big Maradona fan, not so much a big director fan, so we'll see. Yeah, not a big fan of Amy and Senna? No, okay. not, not great. Luke, who wasn't, who was very cynical about uh, Amy, uh, quite liked uh, Maradona. Yeah, I know, I, I, I will get to it, um, because I do like Maradona, but, <sighs> yeah. At number seven, X-Men, Dark Phoenix. I thought it was just Dark Phoenix. Well, whatever. No, it's, no, it's really funny because it used to be just Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And then they were like, oh no, we need name recognition because people are going to not understand what this I is. I probably wouldn't have known if somebody hadn't told me. Yeah. There you go. It's a movie about how dark it gets in Phoenix. Uh, uh, also, also at no point is she ever called Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. The word Phoenix Force is never used. I mean, you say that as if like this movie and she was, fights not, three people. was not heavily gutted. Oh, uh, it was awful. It's just like, like hey, these are the basically the scroll. Are they? Yeah, they shapeshift, so they're kind of the scroll. I I'm going we talked about this in the box before. Kind of like that. I kind of like that it's like Captain like again, the fact that it was reshot it, to avoid it, clashing that, with that Captain that would Marvel, be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. And the fact that it ends up with the mutants in the custody of the MCU. Yes. And how terrible that is and how they But that's not the director being smart and going here. Here's a little jab. No, this is because the MC, the literal MCU and you best not do yeah, this, or you're gonna fail even more miserably. That's like, it, like there's no smartness in this film. There's no intelligence. There's no cleverness. Yeesh. There, are, there's a handful of good scenes, and once again, Jennifer Lawrence is phoning it in. For um, everyone's she phoning it in. Doesn't have that mystique. In fairness, no, she's so never I, had that mystique. Did, I didn't like her in the. You didn't like her in Winter's Bone. I did like her in Winter's Bone. I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, it's like Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Sorry, people, people say Sorry, this uh, on many, many reviews, and that there was a point to end the X Men. Uh, there was a beautiful, poignant, perfect point, and it was the end of Logan, and that would have been perfectly to send them off. But no, they had to keep trying and keep milking that yeah. cow until it was dead. All right, it's fine. You're gonna get. You're not your, a fan, then, Greg. No. Get, you're, you're no, get, no, you're no. Get your Marvel no. It's the, it, to me, it is the worst it. film of this year. Jeez. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I would not agree with that. Okay, what is? What is what's uh, yours? Polar, easily. What's Polar? Polar is a movie that opens with Johnny Knoxville receiving a blowjob and getting shot through the heart of pool. There's no way that was released Nothing. in a theater. Okay, if we're going for theater. Yeah, theater. Welcome, welcome to Marwin. Or this is. Well, that wasn't this year. That was this year. Was it? This has been a long <laughs> year, Graham. <laughs> oh my god! I've seen four hundred films this year, and it's only it's, June. That was this year. Oh wow! Yeah, there we wow. go. There I mean, I haven't seen it, but like, I remember how much you hated that oh, film. Yeah. At number six, it's *Brightburn*. Uh, I haven't seen that. I really want to see that. A weekend gross of nearly thirty thousand. You liked that, didn't you? Uh, I, I quite like this. I like this a lot, actually. I gave it a bit mm. more credit than a lot of people. I know friend, that... friend of ours, mutual friend, Carrot, did not. Oh no, absolutely. And again, I can few people understand. Didn't, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm willing to accept him in the minority on this one. Well, as good well. for you, Darren. I, know, <laughs> I will burn all the brighter for that. Um, yeah, Jesus. Oh, fine. It's not the worst one he's done, so let's let him have it. There's going to be another one long. If you didn't like that one, there'd be another long fight. Yeah. <laughs> At number five, rocketing along, it's oh, Rocket Man. Less than five minutes. Uh... So I haven't seen it. I've heard amazing. It's million dollars. It was one point five million euros. And I don't think it's got that big a budget either. So no. it is making the, that the money thing back. The is, I was at a cinema during the week, and the interesting thing about it was that they had a Bruce Springsteen themed film. <laughs> what? Oh a, yeah. It's this film is that it starts. No, 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 no. It was it's a Bruce Springsteen. Oh, it's film. Thunder Road. It's yeah, Jim Cummings. Right. Yeah. Is it? Was it Thunder Road? Is it called Thunder Road? No. Okay. So you say Bruce Springsteen, and you say no. There's this film where this young guy is kind of. 
in school and then discovers Bruce Springsteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what film. The weird like, thing is, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, because they had a bit of... Bruce, oh, it's a Bruce Springsteen film. All right. With his new album, like they had a launch of both his new yeah. album with sample music and I this film. I cannot um, I cannot... I'm very confused. Uh, I, uh, blinded anyway, by the light. Regardless. Oh, blinded by the yes. light. Is yeah. Springsteen? Well, the Springsteen okay. part, okay. partly. And then obviously the... the Abomination that is Richard Curtis is Danny Boyle's mess. Oh, we're going to be getting to that later. Yeah, uh, so um, it's just it's a weird. This is Jay we're going to see a lot more. Feelings of this. about the new releases. Do we? That's not like me. Let's at, see. At number four, Secret Lives of Pets two. Didn't see it. I have not seen that. I've been hearing 1. mixed things. Six million euros so far though. Mm. At number three, Men in Black International. Didn't see that either. It's not very <laughs> great, I'm afraid. Um, oh, yeah. God, less than five minutes. Uh, yeah, but nobody expects it to be good. No, no, I mean, no um, one expected it. It's also got the lowest opening of the entire Men franchise. in Black franchise, hasn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah. And that's, like again, not even adjusted for inflation. No. Nope. Uh, but, I mean, the thing about say Men in Black International is that... Uh, <laughs> What's that, Jay? <laughs> say what, Graham? Yes, uh, Queen. Um, indeed. But yeah, so the thing about Men in Black International, The Hollywood Reporter, and again, this is the thing of the summer of flops that we're living through. The Hollywood Reporter is publishing autopsy resorts. Yeah, every it's Monday awful. Morning. Um, but like there's, and again, because these films are flopping, everybody involved is as quick as possible to point fingers in other directions. Let um, us not forget David Harbour and Hellboy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was everybody else's fault. But uh, the thing about Men in Black International is apparently there was a tug of war between the producer and the director. Yeah, and like the director. It was being rewritten day by day. I heard those actors writing their own scenes and yeah, everything. Uh, like yeah, they got really annoyed. Like, like Edgar Gray said, I gave them an, I gave them a thing. They liked it, and then when it came to um, shooting the film. They didn't like it all of a sudden. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the thing again, the thing with with Gray in this point as well is that like, Gray wanted to make a much more modern blockbuster. You can see mm. the footprints of that. Things around issues like immigration yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, which all the other films yeah. have dealt with to a, a fashion. Bit. I yeah. wonder what he was told. I wonder what assurances he got when he signed on in that regard, yeah. or whether that reneged or whatever. Yeah, because yeah. like it a little bit. Because I mean, that's the thing with with Gray is Gray at least is coming off the back of Straight Outta Compton. Yes. It's coming off the back of Fast and Furious. Yeah, he should like, have been hot enough to be able to do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. Those two films. I'm fairly certain one of those made a billion. Yeah, yeah and should, a, like, a straight Compton was straight Compton was a big hit as well. Yeah, it was. He had a billion with a film franchise that shouldn't have been a billion at, at the eighth film, and he got an Oscar. Like, I, like when you get something like that, you should be able to write your own ticket for at least a film. Yeah, um, and again, what's interesting is I was. For reasons unrelated to this podcast, I was back looking at like movies from 1998, and the, the Negotiator—that's an F. Gary Gray film. It's not a very Is good it? film. I know, but I'm, I like the I'm I like the Negotiator, but I was a teenager when I saw that film. It's a uh, Kevin Spacey yeah. and um, Spacey. Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson and Paul Giamatti in a very weird role. Yes. He had a lot of weird yeah. before he yeah. came somewhere. Like My that. favorite one is Saving Private Ryan, where he's still recognizably Paul Giamatti. He sits down. In Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, he sits down on a beam, and that beam knocks over like a whole bunch of bricks, and it exposes an entire Nazi command. And it's like, oi! Yeah. Oh God, I remember that. It's the most Paul Giamatti scene imaginable he's in the great. context of World War Two. God bless billions. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, at number two, it's Aladdin. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to guess how much money this has made too much. the Irish box? Far too oh, much. at the Irish. Because yeah. uh, I know how much it's made. I, 780,000. 800 million. Yep. Will it break the billion, Graham? Oh, uh, God, it will. <laughs> Try not to sound too uh, too excited about it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a Graham in this one. It's, it's, like, it's not a whole new world, guys, and I Graham. hate it. I, I, well, I don't hate it. I, I, I mean, it's just, 
Because the last time you were on this podcast, you were very enthused. This, today, I was like, not I hate everything. for Aladdin. No, not no, that. In general. in general. In oh. general, you've, you've well, you gone full darn. Like. Well, we'll wait, 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 wait. Jay, if we really say who I most like right now, according to films, let's be fair. I'm leaning more towards you. That's true. Don't don't ever do that. That's not good. It's not good. There's no way back from this. Um, I will say, like, Naomi Scott is brilliant in it. Um, what Will Smith can add his little bits to, he's good. Um, but easily the worst part is Jafar. Like he is, he is a void of presence. There is yeah. nothing there. And when you remember so Aladdin, and so he's a Jafar great. Away. Oh God, it's becoming <laughs> contagious. Um, Sorry, Jay, you're salt in that earth. <laughs> it's it's not a good film. Genius. Oh, I hate you both. Guys, sit, wait and see how long it is before I come back. I was lying and wait for that. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. That's another podcast. I know, yeah. I was going into the whole. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're going yeah, into the whole yeah, catalog. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're going, oh, into, no, no. You're going into the vault. Uh, I probably deserve um, it. No, it's a bit wishy washy. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, it's just it's another Disney film uh, that is paint by numbers, yeah. that's ripping from the script, and. Offers very little in return. If you like, and it's two hours long. It's an it's a half an hour longer than the original. So you're saying that 40 it, uh, yeah. it pulls the rug out from under your feet? No, because then it'd be unpredictable. <laughs> Sorry. Then there'd be something that I couldn't predict. I wasted that on you. I feel like Graham's getting very angry, so we're going to move on to number, number one. one. <laughs> number one. Toy Story 4. What a surprise. With, uh, with an underwhelming international debut, I think it earned mm. about 118 million. No, I, I think it, uh, it earned the highest, it opened, it debuted the highest an animated film has ever debuted. In maybe States, not to, okay, maybe in the, in the States, States it was, it or worldwide. Worldwide, but not, it's performed yeah. very well. In particular, in China, it's competing against, uh, you know. Spirited Away. Very good. But it's his first original release. Yes. It's not a new re- not no, a re-release. It's the first time Sword of the Way has been it's, released in China. And it's apparently it's, a, really? it's gone like gangbusters. Yep. 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 Which them. actually makes me really happy. Yeah, it makes me very happy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so back to Toy Story 4. You've seen Toy Story 4. I have, yes. Oh, is not, am I the only one? No, I've seen yeah. it. Oh, I, yeah, I was I sitting see. beside you. You were! <laughs> <laughs> you were wearing your blue jumper. I, I, was, I was that invested in the film. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, no. It's been a long year. Oh, God, it really has. Uh God, uh, it's been a long summer. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was it, like the best. Darren described it the best. It's a very different ending. It's, it's watching it as an epilogue is probably the best way to yeah, view it. Yeah, it's, that's it's, not it's, it's, to be the word. It's right. like if 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 Toy Story three was the swan song, then this is just a little pirouette at the end. Yeah. Um, it's it's beautiful. It's maybe the funniest. Yes, I think it's easily the funniest, and that is in no small part to to Keegan Michael Key and uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah, who Ducky and Bunny, Ducky and Bunny, who did something that I thought they they were were not going to do. They I thought for sure they were going to be the token coloured characters because their characters are brightly. I thought they were going to play the the usual like new character stock. You know that they're just coming in sidekicks, but they brought a really nice warmth to it, and also they have like the best. They have the best joke that just goes. Yes. You know what I'm talking yes, about. I know the they have the best about. joke that I could not stop laughing at. The plush rush, Graham. Oh God, plush rush. Um, so it sounds like a. It sounds like something else, but it's not. Yeah. We're not doing that. But yeah, I'm. 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 I'm happy with it. Um. I'm really is it a step too far? Maybe that's the that's my only issue. Was I feel like you you, you can't ever say a film is unnecessary, but Can because I ask what, a question, what? But maybe Toy Story Four is Will unnecessary. There be a Toy Story 
That's the question. I well, you know. I mean, they say this is this is an end. But they said that about Toy Story. Yeah, that's the thing. The thing is, and the way they've rationalized it is, they've always said each Toy Story can be seen as an independent story. You would say that. You've got to make money, though. Exactly. Uh, And they said one can be one was easily a beginning and an end. Two was easily a beginning and an end. Three, so and so on and so forth. Um, This could be a beginning and this could easily have been an end. I don't know if you can say it's a beginning. Uh, like the other ones, because you know, there's definitely there are repercussions that have been felt from the previous films. But it's what I will say in beautiful. terms of it being necessary in inverted commas is I think that the world is in a the world, particularly like fandom and culture, are in a different place in 2019 as opposed to as compared to where yes. they were in 2013, I believe, when Toy Story. Yeah, yeah. So the issue is that like back then we were very optimistic at this idea of like passing toys on to the next generation. Mm. Things like say the Abram Star Trek movies were still warmly received. We hadn't yet had the blowback to Into Darkness, for example. <laughs> Uh, we hadn't had the fiasco that was the the reaction to Ghostbusters. We hadn't had Force Awakens. The Force, well, we, the Force Awakens was on the horizon, but the Last yeah. Jedi, we hadn't yeah, had yeah. the like shitstorm no, that was God. the Last Jedi. And so, like in the context of Toy Story three, it was possible to believe in a story where you could hand your toys to another generation, yeah. and you could be happy to see those kids now play with. eBay. Now, 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 with you the, hold them tight. Well, this is the thing. One thing I really like about Toy Story four <laughs> is that it, it gets at this idea of people playing with toys in a different way. In fact, Woody's arc can consists of realizing that what Bonnie wants from him as a toy is not the same thing that Andy wanted from him as a toy. And that's fine. Like at one point she literally takes the badge off him and puts it on Jesse in one of like the most surprisingly affecting and sort of like I think getting yeah. films about sequences. But because like because to her Jesse is important. Yeah, and they didn't play they didn't play that to the cliche that it could yeah. easily no, no, have no. gone. Woody's not angry about that. He he kind of acknowledges correctly that his time in the limelight's over. It's time for Bonnie mm. to enjoy and Jesse to enjoy. Mm. And it's really sweet. And again, that's kind of why I feel like it's necessary, because I feel like it's a and it works very hard to get Woody to a place where it's not the ending of Toy Story 3. And it's not a kind of a it's not an ending where Woody is dependent on validation from a child in order to need existence. Mm. And I I think if we're talking about necessary in inverted commas and you're right, no film has to be necessary, it just has to be good. Yeah. But if you want to justify its existence in a practical sense, I would argue that is the reason why. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like I suppose that's why they're such good storytellers. I suppose that's why Pixar, it's just, there, there was just a sense of like, I didn't need to see this. I was very happy with how, how Toy Story 3 ended. I didn't need to see Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 3 until I saw them, you know? Yeah. Um. All right, so let's move on to the new releases. So let's get this out of the way as quickly as possible. <laughs> Yesterday, which no one here has seen, I believe. Nope. And I won't be seen. This is Danny Boyle uh, <laughs> directing Richard Curtis's screenplay, a story in which a man wakes up and discovers that the Beatles never existed. <sighs> he then, Did he wish them away? No, he. I think he just gets hit in the head and blacks out. Oh, it's one of those. Yeah. He wakes up in an alternate world and basically uses the music of the Beatles to get himself famous. Um, and meet Ed Sheeran. Yep, the reviews on this are agnostic, mixed. generally speaking. Yeah, mixed, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a bit of cynicism towards Mr. Uh, Mr. Curtis's picks, uh, which I think that listeners in the podcast may suspect that Jay empathizes with. Uh, but oh, there's yeah. also a sense in which Curtis is familiar with the formula and trappings of this and knows how these sort of stories work. So we'll see well, how that works. He did create out. most of them. Are, are you going to see it, Darren? I may not get time to. Oh. Right. No, 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 I don't have Good time. Good work, everyone. I feel like I've... Uh, I've <laughs> if I see any really significant... Like, I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. I, I have a pretty packed weekend. If I see okay. any don't films, see it. no, it's going to be Brightburn or it's going to be John Wick 3. Yeah. Or Metal Oh, Heart. you haven't seen John Wick? I haven't seen John Wick 3. I feel so bad. It's out It's out of movies at Swords and I'm really upset. Oh, wow. I know. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, also out this week, support the girls. Yes. 
I've seen You've this. You've seen I, this. I this uh, he has supported the girls. I have, I have literally, I figured it would be sport leader. Um, <laughs> not in the context of this film means, or one what of the is this No, film? no, no, it's not. Let's, although, it's a set in a Hooters-esque bar. Oh, yeah, okay. it's like Double Whammies is the wonderfully titled uh, <laughs> bar. And it's... Um, What's okay? Regina, Regina Hall, Hall who Hayley plays Lou Richardson, um, and uh, Shane and McHale and James Legros doing a great. Yeah. Regina Hall's having a great old time, isn't great. she? Uh, she plays a bar general manager in this bar, uh, mm. um, a who, sports bar with curves. Yes, it's the thing, and she. Basically, <laughs> They're trying so hard not to say hooters. She, she has a bit of a day, uh, basically, where a lot of things happen, and she's under a lot of pressure. And, and amongst that is the kind of younger. Uh, kind of workers that work in it Hayley Lou Richardson and Shane McHale being the main kind of thing as she tries to help and then she's her own family issues and it's just this weird strange kind of long day where a lot of things happens it's really funny um, like it's actually genuinely kind of great kind of performance comedy if you know what I mean there's a lot yeah, of well, Hall's very great, good at that. she's brilliant at it um, she's outstanding it's, it's a really thoughtful film it's a, it's a kind of about um, the exhaustion of empathy about how much you have to give yeah. in, in and a, whether that ends up and how, where that ends and how much that impacts you mm. but still while it's been darkly funny all the way through um, the sport cast as I mentioned those two characters are fantastic Hayley Richin is one of my favourites like younger actresses and she thinks she's fantastic she's in the film of Columbus which I've been banging the drum about yes. last year she is glorious in that and well, the director every this. frame of picture isn't it um, yes uh, it's a great great film and also film. starring um from Searching John Cho. John Cho. Yeah, and he's great. It's, it's a like really John wonderful Cho. film. Yeah. It's a really, really wonderful film and more people should see it. Uh, and this has one of the great final scenes I've seen in the film in quite some time as well. It's just one of those kind of great low-key gems. And I hope people don't kind of miss out on it. I suspect they won't hang around too long. So I'm not quite sure so who the market is. But Jay would such. urge you to get out and support the girls. Support the girls. That was, that was too easy. It's great. It's really great. All right. Also out this week, Peter Strickland's In Fabric, uh, which I haven't seen, but I sounds seen fascinating. Either. If you've seen any Peter Strickland films, he's made a couple. Um, In Fabric's the latest you, one. Have you heard about this, Graham? No, I haven't. Why? Tell him the premise. You, want, you, want to tell, you tell him the premise. Go on. <laughs> Essentially, it's a haunted dress. A murder. A cursed dress that's dress. passed from kind of a... I mean, that's what I thought person. Phantom Thread was going to be, so it's about time. Well, indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's mean, a... Peter Strickland saw Phantom Thread. It was like, this was not what was This is not nearly possessed enough. Yeah, this is... But Peter Strickland's made a couple of films um, that are of note the last few years. He made Barbarian Sound Studio yes. with uh, Toby Jones. Jump, yeah. uh, set in a kind of Italian jello making of a film. Where a lot of weird things so happen. It's foley, foley work, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the sound, smashing, the smashing of like lettuce thing, yeah. and yeah, rotten yeah. vegetables in order to generate the sound of you know what you see in films. Yeah. Oh, okay, and cool. Then he made it's, one. I remember being great. A film called uh, Duke of Burgundy in 2014, which is fantastic. I haven't seen uh, that one, but you I and Ronan are both strong advocates it's of it. Fabulous film. Uh, a very strange kind of um, relationship drama between two women that goes into fairly unexpected places and really, really good. Uh, so this I'm very much looking forward to seeing. Uh, I I I wasn't as big on Barbarian Show Studio as everyone else. Okay. I quite liked it. But they uh, made the Irish I, Times list of films of the year. If it I didn't make correctly. mine, but I did like the Duke of Burgundy. I had a lot more. Pretty I did sound make... otherwise. Yes. Okay. So that's all I like the idea of a possessed dress. Yeah, that's uh, the poster for it is glorious. You can see the oh, poster yeah. is absolutely fabulous. Yeah. In a world of turgid posters, which we seem to exist in, yes, it is. It is very Where Photoshop reigns. Blacklusterly. Niall, our editor, described it as "What if." The cape from Doctor Strange was a serial killer. Yeah. Oh, I think that'd that's be amazing! Uh, I think because safe. it was, because it killed some people in that film. Uh, also <laughs> out this week, uh, and perhaps the movie Darren is most likely to see this Ooh. week, um, Drive. 
What? Which is what? the Bollywood remake. Oh, no. You were going to be all they over They didn't this even guy. change the title. Tell me, tell me this doesn't sound right it's up It's got to be street. better than Drive. It's an un... Whoa, okay. Easy Pump there. the brakes. Thank you. Sorry, I won't be gosling over that one. Anyway, an unnamed Ugh. song. Is a good one? Nights is a... Give me this, Graham. I give you every single one of them. Um, But yeah, an unnamed stunt driver, Moonlights as a getaway driver, soon becomes attracted to a female neighbor whose husband owes some money to a local gangster, and he's drawn deeper into a dangerous underworld. So yeah, I'm I'm very interested. Because again, Bollywood has a history of remaking like American. At what point do you think there'll be a dance? Uh, yeah, no, there will be musical. I know. It's gonna be great. <laughs> That's our goddamn Like, I mean, come on, Race Three features "Can't Stop Thinking About You" in a club while a high-stakes bank heist is taking place, and you can tell the directors like the bank heist is not important. I want "I Can't Stop Thinking About You" as a dance number. It's amazing. Anyway, also out this week, Apollo Eleven. Uh, which is the documentary from <laughs> Todd Douglas so, You reined in so much there uh, after... after the word of this is good. I've um, seen this, actually. Have you? It's available. Uh, I shouldn't actually say this on its opening weekend, but it is on video demand in the States. Yeah, so and I have and seen things. this. In fairness, I saw Sporting Girls that way. Yeah. So, um, and how'd you, how'd you find I it? I really loved it. Uh, yeah. But again, this is very much in Darren's wheelhouse. Darren likes movies about space. Um, but also just like, it's an interesting documentary the way that it's constructed. It's famously harnessed from thousands of hours of first-hand footage covering the moon landing. Well, the moon launch, the moon landing. Mm. Um, but it's like, so it's it's no, it's very little narr- narration. It's actually just footage basically edited like and like a narrative feature using documentary footage, it's fascinating, it's beautiful, it's striking, it's amazing to see that footage and amazing to see how crisp and how clear it looks, but also just in terms of how it captures the mood and the context mm. and the place and the time as well. And because you know the story of Apollo 11 well enough, it doesn't matter that there isn't narration, there aren't talking heads, they aren't cutting away to explaining things. Yeah, It's really, really beautifully made and really, really stunning. It's going to be screening in IMAX this weekend in Cineworld. I will be heading with a couple of friends to see it in IMAX. Um, despite the fact so look out for Darren. Video. Um, but yeah, no, like, I mean, you we're mean really, uh, really IMAX, don't you? Hi, oh, no, the actual IMAX in Cineworld. Um, no, so well, no, that's not an actual IMAX. Oh, okay, it's just branded as an IMAX. Yes, so. it is, but it's not an actual the, IMAX. The nice it's people, not on the... Fuff- guys, oh, can we not do real at this point? The nice, <laughs> the nice people at IMAX would never lie to me. Well, yes, there's a reason would. why it's that's called Limax, Darren. It's literally called Limax by everyone. That's why it's called I, that. I will say I don't call it that. Okay. Yeah. I, everyone, Graham. But ah. I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that uh, director Todd Douglas Miller shoots for the moon with this, and I think oh, he I swear to as God. well. You literally stop a podcast so you can figure out a pun. No, I was, he I was plans this that. in advance. He's no that. fool. <laughs> oh, I almost forgot, actually. Uh, releasing this week, there's a big Irish release, mm-hmm. which is Metal Heart, yes. uh, which is Hugh O'Connor's theatrical debut, starring Jordana uh, Jones as well. Um, we've both seen this, Graham. You yes, I also got to interview Jordan and Hugh himself. Um yeah, it's a it's a really nice film. It's lovely. It's got it's this lovely. sort of warm glow around it as yeah. well. Which is it, ironic for a metal heart. Hi, oh, it will <laughs> melt. <laughs> got there first. It, it will, oh. well, well done. Well done, everyone. <laughs> well, well played. I'm very um, proud of you. Well done, Graham. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, I, know. Like, but, uh, no, long I, I really like Metal Heart. Yeah, I really it, like It's very much, it's a standard teen film. It reminds me a lot of stuff like Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging. It really does, um, doesn't yes, it? Yeah. Um, and it's great to see that in Irish context as well. It's got a huge as it's got a huge metal heart <laughs> uh, but it's got this sort of like real energy and verve mm. it's got a whole set of great performances particularly yeah. from its teen actors yeah uh, a very... particular one for me is Aaron and Sean Doyle they have this one Aaron scene Hepburn, yes. yeah uh, yeah where they where they like uh, like they he, Aaron's uh, character slags him off I think Alan slags off Gary because yeah. uh, you look literally like Halloween and, and he looks and and uh, Gary looks at him uh, and he goes no I'm only messing no, come on you look great yeah, no, no, <laughs> and no, she's it's like it's like 
just like I'm underselling it. I'm underselling it wonderfully, underselling yeah. it. But it is just like it's it's so well. It has done. a level of empathy that you kind yeah. of expect from mm. a, a kind of a good teen yeah. film. Very and much Mo- like and Smart, Mo- for is surprisingly convincing as well, yeah, that kind yeah, of guy. Yeah. Like it's because because we you know we we you know, Mo, we know Mo, Mo. Mo. yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean like I, I, as I said to Hugh O'Connor um, it's not an Irish film it's not called Mo Dunford that's it. exactly statistically speaking well, that's true we like, have to kind of I think appear. it's required for film board funding at this yes, point yeah yeah, yeah. He's tr- at least three films every six months <laughs> um, yeah. I'm yeah. hoping to get to this next week uh, it's lovely I get to it because I yeah. I'm big uh, Jordan Jones fan she's, it, it, she's been terrific it, for it's really funny because I I think it reminds it'll remind a lot of people maybe of. Of their childhoods, of their teens, of their late teens, of like trying to understand. You I've know. forgotten mine. I won't remember that. So that's fine. <laughs> maybe, maybe you'll have like PTSD flashbacks. I hope so. <laughs> no, it, it is, and it has this kind of warm empathy that runs through mm. this understanding of, as a teenager, and like the, the central arc being discovering that other people have feelings mm. and matter are more complex as well. Yeah. There's a tenderness to it that I found very disarming and then kind of really gone under under my skin yeah. in a great way. And it's also, and I'm really glad to see it. It's a very sex positive movie as well in terms of particularly for young girls. Yeah. Um, which is is very still surprisingly rare in terms of, of mainstream cinema as well yeah. and it's great yeah. to see it in an Irish film as well so yeah that'll be it yeah. I'm really looking forward to it and I, I would say um, I know a lot of people are talking about Jordan but I was I was, surprised, I was surprised by Leia Leia McMara like, plays like, her twin she, sister she, yeah she plays the twin sister and she has a storyline that like everyone has seen before but where it goes and how Leia plays the character is actually really, really interesting. Yeah. And I really appreciated that because everyone can always relate to the outsider in that because everyone believes themselves yeah. to be the outsider. With Leia, she plays the character who, you know, is the popular one, but then there's a knock. There's a knock at her life. There's a knock at her plan. And it's just like, people more people are, surpri- people will, are surprisingly more like that. They have plans and everything. Yeah. And then life knocks you for a loop. Yeah, and you maybe you can't get line. back up. Yeah. And she and she plays that part really convincingly, really interestingly. And again, that, I think that speaks to, again the empathy of the film. And Hugh well. O'Connor is a director. Uh, yeah. Yes, he's a fine man. Yeah. Uh, I will say you should go and see this and not go and see yesterday because yesterday was trash. <laughs> well, go I, and I, see I, Metal Heart. I would recommend going to see Metal Heart because it's yes. the kind of Irish film. You also, yeah, yeah. Also, we need to you know we so, need more. So, of yeah, these. we need more. Dreadful. Okay. Also, Metal Heart is great. Yes, I know. Just so we're all on the same. I know. I am agreeing. Yeah, Metal Heart's great. BBS. All right, so I think this about wraps it up. It's kind of almost in record time this week. So people looking for a bit more Jay, a bit more Graham in their lives, where can they find you guys online? At Jay Coyle on Twitter. Uh, at Graham Geek Era on Twitter. And uh, I think I'm going to be a guest soon. Possibly on, on the 250. On the 250. Podcast, which yeah. is the other podcast that I host. Yes. Uh, where Jesus, do you find the time, Darren? Um, I'm, this is why I'm not watching yesterday. Uh, that's but yes. not the reason but yeah so yes I co-host another podcast called The 250 Cult it's, you can find us at, at The 250 online this week actually we have the wonderful um, Jess Dunn and Luke Dunn from Film in Dublin they're popping over to talk about to mark Independence Day next week the Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation mm. the big starring role debut from two young Texan actors Matthew oh, McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, and Renee Zellweger. yes um, Will it be McConaughey or will it be McConaughey? You'll also, have to tune in and find out. Uh, also, uh, well, eagle, well eagle-eared there. listeners, I suppose that's a catchphrase, will notice that uh, I make a, I make a cameo in the episode. <laughs> you do indeed. <laughs> All right. That sounds very vaguely sinister, Graham, I have to say. <laughs> well, it is Texas Chancellor Massacre. That's so, true, yeah, uh, fair. Oh. All right, take it easy, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.